Hello, Internet. My name is Walter Ciades Fetchuk, and welcome back to a very, very, very special edition of the Final Cut Podcast presented by the Rough Drafts Podcast Network. Last week, uh, two weeks ago, last episode, two weeks ago, we did something a little, a little off base, and we gave you two movies in one. And you know what? We liked the idea so much, we're doing it again for this episode, and it's not because I confused Toy Story 4 with Toy Story 3. It's absolutely <laughs> not for that reason. It's that you, the fans, loved having two movies so much that we decided we're going to do two movies again. It wasn't my screw-up. And by we, I, of course, mean the, the Buzz Lightyear to my Woody. I'm really sorry I have to call you Tim Allen, yeah. but Chase Wassener... I, listen, I know you don't have a Coke problem, but I, it's just too perfect of an analogy. I, I appreciate the analogy. I don't, I, I, I have to hope I, in my life that this will be the last time I am ever compared to Tim Allen. I want to make sure that's a one and done. Uh, also, I will say I appreciated the, the welcome, welcome, welcome had a bit of a, a carny feel to it. The, you know, uh, step up, step up everybody. Um, which I think does fit well for uh at least the the Toy Story 4. Um certainly a lot of carnival things going on there. So I think thematically appropriate through and through. Absolutely. It it was. It was uh it was definitely on purpose. It wasn't me stuttering or, or thinking of an intro <laughs> or anything like that. But Chase, you know, we like to chat a little bit to, you know, start the episodes. And I think to get us in the mood for the the little bit of a journey here, because while we're going to be talking about Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4, we are going to talk about the series a little bit more broadly as well, uh, just because it's kind of hard to talk about the, the emotional impact of Toy Story 3 uh, without talking about the first two movies. And I can think of no better way to get us in the mood than, Chase, what was your favorite toy growing up? My favorite toy growing up? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, outside of the obvious would be like my Game Boy Color, which I played the hell out of. Um, I would say either the Red Power Ranger, uh, big fan of the Power Rangers back in the day, uh, or uh, the Beetleborgs. I had the Beetleborg Transformer toys. Oh, yeah, you got to go for the Beetleborgs, man. Um, they, They had some pretty cool transforming things. I never had like much Transformers. I, I think maybe a couple Beast Wars things. Um, but I guess ultimately, if I were to like like the most common toy I had, I was I was puzzles all the way. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's just something so pure when you go back to these films about you know we all have a favorite toy. We all have memories of the kind of worlds we would create with them and the things we would play out. And, I, I'm curious, what was your favorite toy? So I, I thought about this, because off the top of my head, I couldn't think of one immediately. I couldn't think of like, duh, I have a Woody, like, boom, that's immediately what it was. But I had, you know, I had a couple stuffed animals that I, that, you know, were really close. I had a Cabbage Patch doll that every, every single one of us in my, you know, my family as kids, we all got like a Cabbage Patch doll when we were babies that you know, we grew up with and is now probably sitting in a box somewhere in some, at, you know, in the attic or the garage at my parents' house. Um, but I, as I really thought about it, one toy stood out to me and I'm going to date myself a little bit here because back in my day, you got a J.C. Penney's catalog full of toys <laughs> uh, prior to Christmas, right? And I think this was even, even before Christmas. I think it was for my birthday and before Amazon, if you ordered from the JCPenney's catalog, it got delivered to either directly to your house or if you wanted to save on shipping, you could deliver it to this drugstore called Eckert's. So I remember opening up this present for, I think it was for my birthday, and I got a Millennium Falcon. It, this big plastic Millennium Falcon had a couple Star Wars figures. My, my uh, cousin at my aunt's house had had a whole bunch of like old Star Wars figures from the 80s that we play with there. So my parents got me this, you know, this big Millennium Falcon. And then I had this thing for like, I don't know, maybe a week, but the door on the bottom, you know, the hatch that goes down that they walk out, it broke off of it. So in those days, you, you have to return the toy and they'll send you a replacement. So my mom packed it up, took it back to Eckerd's, sent it back. 
two, three weeks later, got a replacement one. And then wouldn't you know it, three, you know, three, four days into it, the door broke on the new one again. So I think my mom went and replaced it one more time. And when we got the third one back and after three or four days, the door broke off it. My mom looked at me and said, can you live without the door working? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to I want to actually play with my toy. So it's it, it's not that it was a favorite toy, um, but that's the one that kind of like sticks out out to me the most. And, and I'm the oldest of five kids. So I know, you know, my younger siblings, my sister had, uh, you know, a big Barbie collection. And I remember um, the younger two, it was big. It was Blue's Clues when they were like really young. And then when they kind of were that, you know, elementary, kindergarten, first grade age, um, it was rescue heroes. That was like that. They had all of these rescue hero figures and my parents knew Christmas birthdays. I can just buy them two rescue hero figures and that like that boom, that's two easy presents. Um, but that being said, as you grow up, you know, you finally hit an age where you, you have to get rid of your toys. You're going, you know, either you just kind of hit teenage dumb and you're in high school and you don't want toys anymore you want clothes or you want a cell phone or tech or anything like that and then at some point if you don't have a lot of younger siblings those toys go somewhere they go into the attic they go into a garage sale they get donated to a church to a daycare they go someplace or you know they just sit in the attic and maybe one day your cousins will play with them while they're over visiting or your kids will play over while they're visiting and that's sort of the premise of Toy Story 3. And I think that's where we'll start because when I thought about the movie to watch and I was like, oh, I want that emotional gut punch after talking about Moana, Toy Story 3 was what I really had in mind because I do remember when it was released that it was sort of targeting all of those kids that had watched Toy Story 1 and 2 and sort of the emotions of growing up and getting to that point where you're going off to college. What do you do with your old room and, and all of those things? Um, I will say because of my goof, I watched toy story three after I watched toy story four. So chase, can you walk me through some of that kind of emotional, uh, the, not emotional, but the emotions that you sort of felt when you watched toy story three for the first time? Yeah, because I watched Toy Story 3 while it was still in theaters. Um, that was one that, you know, I had a, a big connection with. Even if I didn't, like, have the most toys or build the most around, like, uh, my I guess my playtime around physical toys, I was the perfect age when Toy Story came out. The first one came out in 1995, so I was three years old. And, you know, by the time that the new one came, you know, the three came out in 2010, it was like, Oh, yeah, I'm like Andy. Uh, he was like an, a year older than me, essentially. I was applying for colleges as I was watching that film. And the idea of like moving on and what that next stage of your life looks like, you know, obviously I was it was very much up in the air for me. I didn't know where I was going to go to school yet. I didn't know where I would get accepted. I was still... Uh, often traveling around trying to look at these schools and figuring out like could I belong here and Toy Story 3 really hit me with that gut punch of what it means to leave things a lot uh, you know behind um, what it means to you know take these memories these things that matter to you and take that next step and the personification of these toys being left behind and the crisis that they have and what it means for them when they don't have this thing that grounded them for so long. I mean, that very much also applies when you're at that kind of formative transition period in your life. And you're thinking about, you know, am I, what happens to all the friends that I made in high school, right? Are, are they, you know, are we going to be able to keep up or, or are they getting left behind? And, and, what would that mean for them? So going into that, I I knew I was going to connect with a lot of the themes going on there. And I guess, spoiler alert, this film made me bawl like a baby. Uh, Toy Story 3 absolutely made me tear up, um, especially towards the ending. I just, you know, that, that whole self-sacrifice and, and acceptance of the things that we lose in exchange for the things that we move forward on. And 
a, a movie that manages to like t- tell meaningful stories about death and dying in relation to toys. Oh my god, um, I, it was really. I, I mean, I, I honestly, Toy Story three is up there with films that I just, I almost struggle to find a flaw with because emotionally they connected so well at a specific time in my life that I'm never going to be able to evaluate them objectively outside of the context in which I first experienced it. And that's what I'm here for, because I watched them out of order. And I'll be very honest, I, I thought Toy Story 3 was a good film. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. I thought I told a really good story. Um, I, I thought I understood the sort of emotional beats and the plot points and everything that it was trying to hit on. Um, but I, I, I didn't cry. I didn't sob. I, I wasn't very, um, I, I wasn't very touched by the film. And I think again, it's because I'm watching it here twelve years later, out of order. I watched four prior to it. Um, but I, I do understand the story that it's trying to tell, and and that sort of conflict that you have as you're preparing to leave your 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 home for the first time. And those decisions you have to make, you can't take everything with you to college. And and to be frank, why would you want to? Why would you want to take, you know, certain things to college that you have sort of outgrown? At at some point, you do just sort of put everything into the attic and you forget about it. And then six months, eight months, a year later, you are up there looking for Christmas lights and you open up a box and you go, oh, crap, I forgot this was up here. you sit there for a little while and you, you know, fiddle around and go, oh, well, there's some cool stuff in here. And then your mom calls you from downstairs and goes, where's those lights? And you're like, oh, crap, right, coming, coming. And, you know, you found the box 10 minutes later, but, you know, whatever. So I I do agree with you, though. I don't think there's much in the way of flaws in this film. I, I think that it is, it's, there's something about Toy Story. And maybe not so much in the first one, but definitely the second one and the third one and the fourth one, that there are some more adult themes to this film. There are some more, you know, fables or or stories that they're telling that aren't just simple good versus evil. They really do kind of make you think if you're an adult watching them and sort of subconsciously get you to think as a kid. You know, Toy Story 1's plot is very is very simple and is very straightforward and it's basically a story about understanding that everyone's different and accepting people and be, and how you know how to make friends and how to share and, and, and all those types of things and then you look at toy story 2 and the plot of toy story 2 is that a collector wants woody because he's a collector and he, he steals him basically you know removes his identity and woody is stuck you know in, in this collector's office with all these other toys that are like him and then he realizes, like, well, no, I don't necessarily want to be in an echo chamber. I miss I miss Andy. I miss all the other toys. And then, you know, Pete is probably one of the more terrifying villains that, that Disney had at the time. And it was like, no, you don't get to go anywhere because then I'm not worth anything. Like, it, it is terrifying. But that's, again, that's – it's sort of very adult in a way that there's these kind of adult moments where it's like, I'll just destroy you if you go away. Um and I do think that that they're very clever in sort of weaving these themes that can get very deep to to a little bit more mature audience, but is still very approachable for for children. Um, one of those sort of I bring up Prospector Pete is is the villain in this movie it, it, Lotso, and the storytelling behind Lotso and how he is basically. One, I like how this film is almost like a mob movie. Like it kind of masquerades as a mob movie. You've got you've got, you know, the the poker room the hidden poker room and mm-hmm. the you know, oh, we're gonna teach you a lesson and Lotso's the mob boss and and all of it. But Lotso is the villain. I think if you had wa- were watching it for the first time in theaters and you really didn't know anything about it, I think it would have definitely caught you off guard. The moment where Buzz Buzz has been captured by you know the, the the mobsters and he's like oh what what are you doing what are you doing with our new friend here like no let let him go like this isn't how we treat people and the second Buzz is like refuses his offer he's like all right put him back in the chair let's uh let's beat him up a little bit yeah <laughs> like, that's incredible 
it's it's the classic good cop bad cop kind of idea right which for a, a movie like toy story 3 is a, a big choice Lotso works really well in this film because Lotso represents the thing that Woody has always been afraid of to a certain extent and certainly is afraid of throughout Toy Story 3, which is what happens when you're left behind. Lotso is unable to accept that his kid moved on. And as a result, he takes all of those feelings out on the toys around him. He tells them that they've been abandoned just like he has so he can maintain control. He needs to ensure that the facility works the way that he wants it to and, you know, allows these kids to kind of run rampant over these newer toys while he enjoys uh, the nicer side of things and kind of creates this almost police state in the evening that they have to kind of uh, navigate around. Uh, with these these henchmen of his, I there's just something, you know, with these kinds of kid films, right? There's an expectation, like yes, there's going to be a villain. We need a villain in this kind of film. The villain cannot be existential dread alone. So Lotso proving to be a villain was not the surprise to me. What did surprise me, and that I honestly thought was really good, is that. Lotso was set up to have this almost redemption arc at the end there, right? Like, Woody ultimately, despite everything, rescues Lotso. He is willing to put himself on the line to save this bear that has caused so much harm to his friends, because that's what the good guys do. And the way that story is meant to go uh, in, in these kinds of kids' films most of the time, is that, well, now Lotso is going to see the error of his ways. He's going to recognize that kindness can be an answer to the pain that he is going through, that being abandoned does not mean he needs to be cold or cruel, and now they can all come together and make for a better situation. And that's just not what happens. Lotso immediately flips the table as soon as he is in a position to abandon them and is fully ready to let them die. Uh, and, and does receive a little bit of a comeuppance towards the end, but there's this... It, that moment hits so hard, because at that point, we're no longer following the rules of the genre, right? It's no longer the, and now we know that the day is going to be saved because we've, you know, allowed the the villain to, to have this arc that can now be, you know, redeemed and, and built off of. So when they're getting towards the incinerator, there's a non-zero percent chance they're going to die. There are toys. This could be the end. All of this film is building towards the idea that these things have to come to an end and that they have to find peace. And boy, that would be a really dark way for that film to go. But it was that moment landed because... It was the last film in the trilogy. At the time, they were very adamant that there wouldn't be any more Toy Stories. So this idea of these kind of hero toys having fallen, but having achieved everything that they could do, and the rest of them living on to build a better Sunnyside or whatever, like, I was in play. It, it could have happened. Um, and it's the first time I ever really thought that a kid's film could go there. Obviously, that's not what happened. The aliens come and save Woody, and they're able to arrange the ability to go to this new kid, Bonnie's house, which is some, a, a character we come back to in Toy Story 4. And, you know, it's this idea of, well, now we've got a new kid, and things are different, but that doesn't mean that they're bad, which I think is a great lesson for kids to understand, that things can change and grow, and it it doesn't have to be you know, this, this negative, but Lotso is the perfect example of what happens when you refuse to change, when you refuse to grow, when you refuse to let that past go and move forward. Well, you end up tied to the grill of a proverbial garbage truck. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I thought Lotso was really well done and I really like the way that they handled that character. I, I would agree. I, I think that they they did absolutely need it. It couldn't just be a, hey, 
you know, the the issue is that, oh, they go to this place because they're like, oh, we haven't been played with in so long, and now they're, like, overplayed with. There wasn't this discussion of, well, we just need to find a new kid. It was all about, no, we don't want to go with Andy. He was abandoning us anyways versus Woody. He was like, no, he was trying to put you guys in the attic. And and to the toys, is that really, is that really, really better, going into the attic? Is that a better life than being tossed into the garbage? I... I don't think so. I think they try to portray that not, you know, as something they didn't want. And like, oh, yes, yeah, so now we're just going to sit up here being hopeful that maybe one day uh, Andy will have kids and will, we'll, you know, come get us. Or maybe his mom will, you know, run up here garage sale time and go, oh, well, you know what? It's been three years. Let's get rid of this box of toys. Or maybe they just stay up there forever. Maybe they're just stuck up there for the rest of eternity. And you kind of get that moment where the army men abandon them right at the beginning. They're like, nope, we're out of here. We're meant to be played with, you know, run, <laughs> leave, get out of here. And the dichotomy of then going to Sunnyside and, and ending up in the room with the, the little, little kids that play very rough. And it is sort of a, you know, be careful what you wish for. The monkey's paw. They wanted to be played with. Well, Jesse, you're going to be used as a paintbrush. Like, congratulations. That's that's what you're used for now. And, and they don't like that. And having an actual tangible villain that's doing that to them. Because if there's no Watso, well, there's no, there's no regimented society preventing them from just hanging out in the bigger kids' room and being played with politely and treated as they should be. There's, there's, no, there's no challenge. And the fact that they decide we're not going to do this more subtle version of hey let's find the kid that really needs us and instead goes with this very straightforward nah you're the new toys you got to take all the grunt work you got to deal with that and maybe one day if you're really 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 good maybe you'll get to come onto this side of the fence and join us other fat cats as we count our hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars in profit a year wait what was i talking about again i, I blacked out there <laughs> I blacked out for a second. Ah, right. <laughs> Toy Story. Which brings me to kind of the interesting point is that Woody has this realization that they need a new kid. Then why does he go exactly back to his old ways in Toy Story 4? <laughs> Man, there's so much about Toy Story 4 that I find frustrating. I don't think it's a bad film. I, I want to go get ahead of, of myself here because I'm going to say some things that are critical. Um, I, I just... Toy Story 4 is a film that didn't need to happen. And you can argue that a lot of films don't need to happen, but th there was a trilogy that had been set up, right? Like, what a powerful closing moment. We, you, who knows what the future holds but we're going to find out and we're going to move forward and it's going to be different, but it can, it can still be good. And that's worth striving towards. And Toy Story 4 is, well, what if we had one more adventure in us? Like, what if we did one more go around with uh, Woody getting to, to do his loyalty to the kid once again and we learn about this whole new aspect of the Toy Story universe, right? All these, you know, we, we've had kids and, and, and to, you know, kids that, that have toys and the toys attachment to those kids. You've had uh, toys that weren't tied to any kid but were mistreated because they were just one toy in a pool of toys among all this class of kids that isn't necessarily, you know, treating them well and, and being careful with them. And then this film is about the toys who don't have a home and don't have a kid to tie them down and see that as a positive. And so I give Toy Story a for a point because it did do something different with the world. It is not a film that treads old ground in the universe building that it goes for. But I do take that point away because as you said, none of the character growth that we've seen over the last few films matters. Woody has to be Woody for this. And so the fact that he matured and became a character who would be 
much more willing to be flexible and less tied down to the past has to be thrown away because we need to have him go and chase after Bo Peep. And then we need him to be so hung up on uh, this Forky uh, that, you know, everything else in the plot that happens has to happen. We have to have Buzz Lightyear take a big step back as a character, right? He had grown substantially in the films from just like an antagonist and then kind of almost anti-hero is probably not the right phrase, but someone who needed to do things his way to someone who was fully a team player. And so much of his subplot in this is, I'm going to go out and save the day alone. And he doesn't remember until the end that he has friends that can help him out. And he has to be like told what a conscience is and like the voice in his head. Like he hasn't had that develop for multiple movies now. And it's just like, why are we here? I mean, we're here because it's the movie made a billion dollars, right? Like it's a very popular series of films and people came out for it and people largely had a good time. And it is a film that you could put on and it's going to be a good time. Uh, people, you know, there's, you know, there's nothing offensive in there that's going to turn anybody off. There aren't any strong messages that will alienate certain percentages of the audience. It is as absorbable and digestible and easy to give kids colorful, fun set pieces to build off of. So it is a Toy Story film. But that's not what made Toy Story 3 so great. And it's not even really what made the first two Toy Stories so great. It was the growth of these characters and the overall lesson that... You know, like learning how to accept their place in the world and learning how to, you know, look forward. And because the film's plot has to happen, we really don't get back to that until the tail end of this film. And the lesson that's learned is the same lesson that we've learned already. And the the beats, you can see the beats that had to be rushed in order to get the plot where it needed to go. And I, I guess those scenes are unfortunate to me because it's a perfectly charming film it's a good film it's a pot you know lots lots to like in toy story 4 but it never engaged me because unlike toy story 3 it never felt like there was anything deeper to it it just felt like another toy story adventure it felt like the kind of thing obviously it had the production value of a cinematic film you know full feature film the length of one but it was the kind of thing that if you made a Toy Story television series, that would have been, what, four episodes of a show? Probably would have made just as much sense that way. Maybe more sense as far as pacing goes, because there are some not as smooth transitions as the movie wants there to be. I don't know. I It just, it's a weird one to me. Well, Chase, you know what they say about, the, you know, the best part of the trilogy. It's the fourth part. <laughs> I did forget they do say that, yeah. Thank you for laughing. I've been holding on to that joke for eight minutes. Uh, <laughs> so it is it is peculiar. And like I said, I, I watched them out of turn. I watched four prior to three. Um, and listen, I'm not going to knock a movie when you can get uh, Keegan-Michael Key, Jordan Peele, Christina Hendricks, and Keanu Reeves when you can add them to your franchise. I think you kind of have to do it. Like, that's just, that, that's a foursome right there that I, that just prints money. Um the story of it is, I agree with you, it seems so unnecessary. It just, it doesn't seem like it fits to be a full-length movie, to be something that you go to the movie theater to watch if you look at it in a vacuum. But I think the difference here is that the reason Toy Story 4 was made is you have Toy Story 1 and 2 really successful. You do Toy Story 3 to be the, okay, all the kids that loved Toy Story 1 and 2, now they've grown up, now they're going through this. Let's tell a story that resonates with them. Toy Story 4, simply put, is there for their kids. And I don't think it's there to be this, hey, we're rebooting the Toy Story series so that we can now make, you know, a million more of these movies because now these kids have an attachment to it. I, I really think simply it was a, hey, I want to go take you to see this movie because I remember when my dad 
took me to see this movie or a grandparent saying, hey, I remember when I took your dad when he was little to see this movie. It, it's not necessary. And, and I agree with you. It, it could have been a TV show. It very well could have been. But it's very clear with what they wanted to do here is they wanted to give the, the parents of the kids and the kids that grew up on Toy Story an avenue to introduce their children to the Toy Story universe without going back in time and saying, well, back in my day, we watched this in 95. And, you know, this was like the peak of animation. And the kids are going right, but like it looks like crap. Okay. How dare which you? I wouldn't, How which dare I wouldn't you? agree with. Which I wouldn't agree with. But if you're bringing out a VHS tape, like I don't know, it creates a connotation for for the younger the younger kids. But I f- I found this plot kind of interesting, despite that it's an unnecessary. Like I thought it was a little interesting because despite the fact there are Night of the Living Dummy Dummies in it, and you're like, well, obviously whoever they're with is the bad guy. Gabby Gabby isn't really, really a villain. Like, she doesn't come across as, as like, Lotso, as this villain. And even her, her, you know, her argument to Woody about why he should give up her, his voice box is like, I've, I've never had a kid. I never, ever had a kid. I was a defective toy. I never got that chance and it's clear, like, you're done. You you had you had a lot of you had two chances. And you had a lot you had a really great time. And can I please just have a chance? And obviously he says no, because he's, you know, no, I gotta get back to my kid. And whether you say that's selfish to him or not, that's you know, understandable. You you don't want to get rid of your voice box just because somebody else can't. Yeah. I would argue that most of us, if someone came up and was like, hey, can I have a vital organ of yours? Would be like, I don't know about that one. Even if I understand empirically why that might be helpful to you. It's a hard conversation to have right off the bat. But the actions, she treats, she like just treats Forky well. Like, it's not like I'm going to throw you in a in a, a cookie jar and you're going to wait there. until like She's like, I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to make you enjoy your time here. I'm like, she indirectly helps shows Forky, like, what it means to be a toy and how important that is. Probably way better than Woody does. That he actually feels her strong desire to want to have that moment with a kid. And I will say that the emotional beats in this movie, again, because I watched it prior to watching three, I think the two emotional beats that they go for hit me a little bit harder than, than the ones in Toy Story 3 when Gabby Gabby is rejected by, by the first girl, by the girl that she's been pining over for all these years, the, the, the uh, antique, uh, antique store's uh, granddaughter, uh, Harmony, I believe, if I remember correctly. And then the moment where they're like, hey, you know, you can come with us. You can come be Bonnie's toy. Like, she would love you. And instead, there's a lost little girl in this carnival space. And Gabby realizes, like, hey, I think she needs me instead. I need to go help her. And part of the reason that that I teared up a little. But part of the reason that the lost child, like, the lost child trope, gets me a lot because do you remember cheaper by the dozen i do remember it vaguely so large family i'm from a large family my mom that movie always gets her to cry because there's a moment in that movie where they lose one of the kids and basically he just he runs away he like gets on a train but when all the parents are freaking out and for some reason like that gets my mom because large family that's one of your biggest fears you lose your child you don't know where they are there were a few times that you know my mom misplaced us you know for five minutes here ten minutes there or there's a running joke that the youngest of our family matthew he constantly gets left in the car because all of us get out and we close the door in his face and then he just sits there for a minute and goes come on guys like really like it's a running joke in our family but the the missing kid moment here gets to me and that's gabby gabby taking her moment and saying no this is where i should be i i know who my kid is and it's gonna be here and i think ultimately that moment is then what prompts woody at the end to go you know what bonnie doesn't need me she's good she's got everybody else she's got forky 
I'm ready to, I'm ready to go do my own thing now. And I think that, that it just resonated a little bit stronger with me, even though I don't think the movie is as good as three, even though I don't think the movie is as, is as important as three is for, um, you know, for me personally, or, or for our generation, or I think just Toy Story in general. I do think there's something to be said for those couple of plot beats that they do hit on what matters to Toy Story. And it's these these emotional moments that they carve out and they let resonate for a minute. And that's your lesson. That's when you learn the lesson of the film. I mean, I, I will agree with you. I think the Gabby Gabby stuff is very good. I think the idea of a damaged toy wanting desperately to be loved is something that and, you know, we all want to be loved, right? Like, that's that's an incredibly human thing we can all empathize with. And it's a great way to handle a villain like this because it gives you an antagonist rather than a villain, right? Like, obviously, the kind of ventriloquist dummies, they're, nothing is going to, to make them likable in the minds of the average person. Uh, we've kind of made our decision on how we view the practice of ventriloquism in the modern age. But... Like, she has a very fair point, and it's a very humanizing one. And Woody agreeing to go along with that and to help her find this new, uh, you know, the new home and Gabby choosing the, the lost crying girl, like, that's great. It's, it, in my opinion, that's the best part of the film. That's the part that has the emotional heart that remembers why we're here. That is a toy story. It is a story about a toy that was there for a kid that felt overwhelmed. And because they had a toy, they felt comfortable enough to go ask somebody for help. And then they, you know, presumably found their family and had a great time with the new toy that was there for them. Like, that's a human element that's really powerful and really works well. And I think that that's great. And I think that the Duke Kaboom stuff is good for similar reasons, right? Like the idea of what it means to be rejected by somebody you care about and the insecurities that that brings and learning that the flaws that you have, the things that might have you be rejected by someone that you care about is actually something that makes you special, that makes you uh, wonderful and that makes you incredibly important to the people around you. That's another great message. I think that's really, I think that captures something really, really well. Um, you know, Ducky and Bunny are really just comedic relief, right? Key and Peel are very good at playing off of each other. And the idea of these toys who, unlike everybody else who desperately wants to like act as toys and make sure they're not noticed by the human world, who they just want to go on a rampage and start taking people out and envision themselves with laser eyes or whatever. Like that's, that's great. It's very fun. It's good stuff. And, you know, I'll even skip, I'll give Forky some love here too. The idea of someone viewing themselves as trash and learning to accept themselves as a toy and then using that self-affirmation to help the next person who comes in. I think that's all great. And, and, I think that if you look at the story of the core characters from the previous films, the ones that weren't made specifically for a purpose in this film, think everything's pretty weak i don't think the woody stuff lands as well as it could because by the end of the film it doesn't really explain why he's comfortable being a lost toy right like sure bonnie doesn't need him but what he just has decided that this thing that he's dedicated his life towards this philosophy that he has that kids are always in need of help and uh needs someone to be there for them is fine to be thrown aside because he wants to go live with Bo Peep in a, a conflict, by the way, that is resolved almost as quickly as it comes up. It is like a moment where Bo Peep's uh, friend, whose name I'm forgetting right now. Um, giggles. Is, giggles. Yeah, of course. How could I forget Giggles? Um, but Very you know, easily. <laughs> but yeah, Giggles like, oh yeah, you know, like who needs him? And then Bo Peep's like, actually, I kind of do. And that's that was it. That was the resolution of that plot. And like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't land because if you've watched the previous three films, even if you recognize that like 
they were a thing, Woody moved on from that. And it's weird that the idea here is like, oh, Woody has given up his attachment to a person that he cares about by dedicating himself to a toy that he cares about. I I don't know. It didn't, it didn't work for me. I don't think it was earned. I don't think it was well enough established within the world, you know, so much as like, well, we need to change the status quo because otherwise we're back where we started as a film and you can't go back to the status quo. That's the whole reason a film exists, right? There needs to be progress. And so it's kind of what we get. And the buzz stuff, I mean, the buzz stuff basically goes nowhere. The buzz stuff exists because there's no way you're not putting Buzz Lightyear in a film like this. And he can serve as a a plot point in a couple key areas, but there's nothing there. And the character has to kind of be, I, I think lobotomized would be too strong, but you have to cut away a lot of the growth from previous movies in order to have him serve as a generally kind but otherwise uninteresting plot device in this and i just feel like it's not a great use of your buzz lightyear and there are so many side characters who are barely involved in this and maybe that's for the best right we have all these other toys that need our time but like it's not like this is a particularly long film we could have had a moment to breathe we could have had some more time after a series that especially after three really emphasizes how much all these toys matter and the value of them sticking together and rallying around each other. And, you know, even at the very beginning, right, there's this idea of like, you know, who's running the group, but it's the group that matters. There's a reason that that connection is there. And it just, there's nothing there, there. Um, So I don't know. I think the stuff that works here really works. And for a kid's film, it's more than enough, more hits than misses, and therefore it's good. It's a good film. It, you know, whatever criticism I have to it is not going to take away from the fact that it is a well-constructed film with some really good moments and some good character choices and a plot that should stick with kids and has some important things to tell them. I just, I don't know that it had to be a Toy Story film, Right? Like, I I guess if you're Pixar, you're never going to make a story about toys that isn't Toy Story. But you could have taken Woody and Buzz and Bo Peep completely out of the equation had it been a completely different set of toys, and nothing would have changed, you know? We would have lost some brand recognition, which is the thing that helped it make a billion dollars. But again, we wiped out a lot of the character growth from the previous trilogy anyway. Those characters were done. They did it. They they culminated in an arc that was really satisfying. And I don't know. I, I guess it, it's unfair to a certain extent that I'm criticizing Toy Story 4 for the sin of existing because I think that Toy Story 3 put the bow on it that the series needed. But, I mean, that was the reason I didn't watch it when it came out. I didn't need more Toy Story in my life. They did it. They did the thing. And I guess I am happy that kids nowadays have their own Toy Story film to look towards, and I think there are much worse animated films out there. I just, I don't know. There's a part, certain part of me that uh, feels a little little scroogey on this one because the stuff that doesn't work and the stuff that didn't click with me did really stick out to me and keep me from being able to ever get fully in. It definitely, in a way that Toy Story 3 is just kind of, it it ramps up very quickly and it plateaus. And there are a few moments where it spikes, where where it it hits some some really good highs. It then plateaus, but it's a very high plateau. We're not talking about, you know, just like a sandbox on the ground. We're talking about, we're talking about a mountain here. And then there's just a few peaks that it just, it really hits across the board. And it does feel like Toy Story 4 is much more of peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys. I 100% agree with you that the rest of the toys, the the traditional cast of the Toy Story movies, Jesse, Bullseye, Mr. Ham, Mr. Potato Head, Rex, Slinky, all of them, 
none of those characters could have been in this film. You, you could have made it with just Woody and maybe Buzz, and it would have been... Uh, you could have had the exact same movie possible. You could have had the exact same... Um, exact same plot points. You could have had the exact same, you know, oh, she's sick of, t- you know, playing with, uh, with Woody. She's gotten, you know, Forky now because Forky got her through kindergarten. You absolutely can do all of that. You could still do the moment with Bo Peep. You, you could do all of this. You could have instead had a moment where Buzz had to try and, like, pretend to be Woody or something. Like, he puts on his hat and his vest. And Bonnie is like, no, that's not Woody. And, like, you could have had this moment where Buzz is like, I'm never like Woody. And then the journey of, like, doing what's best for Bonnie by trying to go find Woody and Forky is then him trying to, you know, be like Woody, but then reminding himself he's Buzz Lightyear and he's not going to do it the same way that Woody does. He's going to, you know, be more action hero-y or whatever. Like, you could have done all of those things instead and and instead of just trying to focus and being like we have to have this entire ensemble and hey you know thanks for showing up here's four lines that's all you're going to say the entire film there's your royalty check have a great rest of your day um but the highs are the highs are high the the gabby gabby story is very well done i do think sort of the bo peep arc up until the like wait i do need him is very is fairly well done of like well, yeah, like, you know, rather than just sit in that window all day, I went out to do something. I went out to help all these toys that are just kind of lost and abandoned and, you know, in, in this uh, this park. And I'm going to hop on with a carnival because I'm done here. You know, these toys have learned how to survive without me. I'm going to go help the next group of toys. That, I think, is pretty well done from, from that angle. They just, like you said, they don't really tell us what convinces Woody to want to go live that life as well. Other than like, well, listen, he's a cowboy. Bo was his beau in the first movie. Like, Hey, what do you think? You know, of course he's going to go with it. Um, with that being said, you've already said that toy story four was probably not necessary. Could they have reorganized this? And instead told the story in Toy Story 4 prior to this. Could they have told that story with Andy's younger sister and done 4 prior to 3? Do you think it would have made it a better film? Done 4 prior to 3. Yeah, so instead of having Bonnie, the Bonnie character is then played by... You have that be Andy's younger sister. You know... I don't think you can. And I, I think that it's, you know, he, the four is so built on the idea of providing contrast to what we saw in three, right? Three is the worst case scenario of what it means to not have a kid. It's the, the dangers of not having anyone that you're connected to, whether it's that you are now thrown into a society that, does not value you the same way that having someone who loves you and, and is going out of their way to take care of you will, or whether it's the way that someone like a Lotso uh, loses themselves in trying to reclaim something that they once had. There, it you know, and three, it is very much a negative to be without a kid, and it is very much seen as a positive when they find Bonnie and they they make that connection and now. You know, it's a new, bright future. Whereas in 4, the whole thing is is ultimately coming down to the idea that, no, it's not empty living without a kid. It's just different. There's a freedom that can be there when you do it properly. And, you know, these toys take care of each other. That's never presented as an option in 3. And if you were to do 3 after 4, the way that you technically did, I I would imagine you lose part of that, right? Because everything in three contradicts the idea that there can be a positive endgame for these toys. That being lost isn't really being lost. Though the goal of three is to find a new home. The goal of four is to realize that home doesn't have to mean what it's always meant to you. And I do think you need to have three first in order for four to land 
as well as it does thematically. Now, as you point out, there was a nine-year gap between those films, and there are plenty of kids who saw four without seeing three for whom that thematic resonance doesn't mean anything. But I don't know. I, I don't think that theme lands as well if you do it in reverse. That would be hard for me to... to I, I think you'd have to make some changes to the way that three is organized and probably handle Lotso a little bit differently. Um, but it's an interesting thought experiment. I'd, I'd be very... You know, if the original trilogy had ended with four, I think that would have been a really interesting message, right? If three didn't exist at all and we just jumped straight to four and it jumps to this idea of like, well... We have to decide whether it's about finding a new kid or doing your own thing and what that means. Like, that, that could have been a really interesting thematic choice. Um, but I, I don't think you would make three the same way if you go that route. Reasonable. I think that's, I think that's pretty reasonable because it does, it does provide some good contrast that, that three is so, so kind of negative in the in terms of not having a kid in multiple ways not you know not just in Lotso being abandoned but even in be like hey you went to the daycare and you got you know the crap beat out of you by someone that didn't know how to play with you as Buzz put it which I also found was a little weird because play is so not to get philosophical or in a you know child psych or anything but play is different to every child and you know, yes, are some children going to be way more violent and aggressive with their toys and are going to break them a lot? Absolutely. But by doing so, that's sort of how they learn how to take care of things, right? Well, hey, you played too rough with your toy and now it's broken. You know, unfortunately, that that's a life lesson you have to learn is that if you don't treat things with respect, they break. Um and then to have the parallel here of being like, hey, it's great not having a, a kid. I can I can play with as many kids as I want. I can go wherever I want. That sort of sense of freedom. I, I agree with you. It, it would sort of get lost uh, if, they, if they did these out of order. And it does seem like these were two possible choices for ending to the trilogy. And they just decided, hey, let's, let's do the, the good ending, you know, the more positive ending this time. Uh, as opposed to the you know more traditional villain ending, which I do think is something we have noticed as we have talked about a you know Moana and Encanto, is that Disney has sort of done away with a more traditional villain, you know very very traditional. This is the bad guy. We need to defeat it, and has gotten way more meta metaphysical with its its villains. It's more about ideas that are the antagonists to the film and and how do we you know how do we confront those ideas and how do we heal from these these wounds that are caused by ideas or by the actions of others instead of just one bad guy or girl or whatever villain they put in front of you i don't know what zerg i don't know what zerg's <laughs> pronouns are um that being said chase as we as we come to the end of this episode, and, and what I hope is the end of the actual Toy Story series, if you want to do spinoff stuff, I know there's a Lightyear movie. I don't think there's any chance on earth that either of us are going to watch that. We're going to talk about this on this podcast. No, but, but they are teasing a potential Toy Story 5. I, I'm letting you know that now. They are, they're not done. It made a billion dollars, and it's As Pixar. we hope that this is the end of the <laughs> Toy Story series. <laughs> oh, you, uh, I appreciate your optimism, my friend. That's what we always say about you is how optimistic you are. <laughs> I gotta be optimistic about something, right? <laughs> as, as we come to the end here, final thoughts, final grades. What did you think about Toy Story 3 and 4? Well, I mean, final grade, Toy Story 3, 10 out of 10. I am not able to be impartial about this film. There will never be a version of me that can give this film anything less than a 10 out of 10 because it was the perfect film for a perfect moment in my life. And I will not revisit it until I have kids of my own one day. And if it is anything less than a 10, I will be devastated. So that like straight up, my bias is there wearing that out on my sleeve. But it's also, I mean, there's a reason everyone loves it as much as it does. I, I, I think that there's a lot to love in the uh, in the third Toy Story film. There's a reason it, it did so well, um, especially for its time. 
Toy Story 4, I'm going to give a solid 8 out of 10. Um, and I, I know that came off pretty harsh to a film that I'm grading that high, but it's only because Toy Story 3 was a 10, and I would say Toy Stories 1 and 2 are 9s. That means that, to me, it was the weakest in the series, which is, to say, still a very good film with a lot of good moments, some great lessons for the kids who will be watching it, some very funny moments from a supporting cast that did a very good job. And, you know, if they make a fifth one, chances are it'll probably be pretty good, too. They probably shouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. I think we're good, but I felt that way about three, and it's going to be really hard to say no when you're making a billion dollars a pop. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. But I, I think both are worth watching. I think three is obviously the one I will gravitate towards. But if you like those kind of films, you like animated films, you like Toy Story as a series, and you haven't watched four yet, go watch four. It's, it's a little over 90 minutes. It's not a huge time investment. There's going to be a lot of things to love about it. It's a perfect second monitor film as far as I'm concerned. I, I think that is entirely reasonable. Uh, Chase's future children, don't worry, I'm about to disappoint your hypothetical father now. Uh, Toy Story 3, I'm going to give a 9 out of 10. Um, and again, I understand I'm coming into this, you know, 12 years after the fact without that sort of emotional resonance. And I understand that is a personal bias, um, but it's my score. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's a 9 out of 10. Uh, and then I do agree with you. I think Toy Story 4 is the weakest out of the four movies. Um, I, I, I would agree with that kind of 8 out of, out of 10 range. Um, it is. It's still a good movie. It's still Pixar. Y you watch a Pixar film, it's going to be really well done across the board. Sound design, the animation is going to be gorgeous. The, the images, like everything about it is going to be technically very, very, very good. And I just think the plots on these, they're, they're a little bit of, you know, especially with four, there's a little bit of wiggle room in there and there's a little bit of, you know, uh, uh, hip, hip. they screwed up some things that they had in toy. There's some inconsistency in the continuity of the Toy Story universe between uh, Toy Story 3 and Toy Story 4. And uh, it does seem like they leave a lot of the older characters kind of uh, in the wayside just to have that one big scene where they take over the RV and get the father bonnie's father probably a really 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 big ticket i'm surprised he wasn't arrested honestly because i think he broke every traffic law known to mankind <laughs> yeah i'm gonna take a shot in the dark and say that the movie studio that made zootopia wasn't going to go there when it came to police interactions i think in the real world we've seen a lot of instances of that exact story going very poorly uh but yeah, that's not how Pixar was ever going to go. So I guess the dad is fine. It all worked out in the end. Sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> as, as long as it's not the unicorn's plan of, of... I think the unicorn just wanted to get him arrested. I, I think that was yeah. what the plan was. <laughs> that really, like, they just threw that in there. Like, oh yeah, and here's our friend, the guy who wants to get our par the parents arrested. And it's like, what is what a great single character trait to have for a toy. Well, well done, whatever writer came up with that guy. That's That was really good. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. This is what happens when you get an, an English major to... to analyze kids movies that, that is that we have to go off on some tangents and he <laughs> he treats them way too harshly despite liking them and if you want to yell at him chase where can the good folks find you on the internet uh you can find me at chase wassenaar on twitter you can find the podcast at rough drafts pod uh, and you should, of course, be subscribed to the Rough Drafts podcast feed if you want to get not only this show, but our show Steam Cleaners, which we do every week that we're not doing this one, where we talk about two different games that we've been playing. Uh, and of course, if you just want to do the movie stuff, you can follow us here on the Final Cut feed, uh, which is just going to be those film things you like. And we've got some, some interesting projects coming down the pipeline. I, I think we, we haven't mixed it up in a bit but I, I i don't know if we're doing it soon but we've got some exciting things we're working on so i'm very excited to, to share with you and i hope you'll stick around to see it absolutely and as always you guys can follow me at c80s underscore lol and listen i really don't want to play you guys i don't know if it's going to be the next episode or the episode after that 
but we're going to have, you know, we're going to keep with this theme going. We're going to keep playing. And uh, no, we're not going to be watching Lightyear, but we are going to get our own team of Space Rangers to uh, possibly join us on the Rift. Until then, goodbye, Internet.